Well, good morning and greetings in the name of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is the third of our and our final installment of our kind of a mini-series titled Joseph and the Movement of the Spirit. And on this Transfiguration Sunday, we celebrate not only the transfiguration of Jesus' appearance and the revelation of him as God in the flesh, but we also come and we seek through our word, through the word of God, to see how God is being revealed so that we might even see it more clearly in our own lives. So as we prepare our hearts and our minds to read God's word, let us join together as we pray for God's illuminating grace. Let us pray. Almighty God, you search us and know us. And as we search to know and understand you through your word, help us. Lord, help us to rely on you in strength and rest on you in weakness. Now and for all our days, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our scripture reading comes from the Hebrew scriptures in the book of Genesis, chapter 45. We're reading verses 1 through 11 and then 50, chapter 50, verses 19 and 20. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all those who stood by him, and he cried out, Send everyone away from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it, and the household of Pharaoh heard it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, so dismayed were they at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come closer to me. And they came closer. He said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves, because you sold me the here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are five more years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt, come down to me, do not delay. You shall settle in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near me, you and your children and your children's children, as well as your flocks, your herds, and all that you have. I will provide for you there, since there are five more years of famine to come, so that you and your household and all that you have will not come to poverty. But Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Even though you intended to do harm to me, 
God intended it for good in order to preserve a numerous people as he is doing today. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. <coughs> Over the last two weeks of our series, Joseph in the Movement of the Spirit, we've been watching and, and viewing how God through the Holy Spirit has been lavishly and steadfastly, proveniently, before people were aware of it, and in strange and mysterious ways, working in and through the lives of people. God has demonstrated God's faithfulness in spite of the evils of, of human beings. And through more twists and turns and ups and downs than the Intimidator 305 or the Dominator roller coasters at King's Dominion, Joseph has experienced the guiding hand of God even in the most challenging, challenging circumstances. As in our own lives, in the lives of the of people that we know and love, things are not always easy. Things are don't always go well. Sometimes our lives and the lives of the people that we know and love are in fact very, very difficult, just like Joseph's. As a boy, Joseph was a dreamer and the favorite of his father, Jacob. This led to no small amount of jealousy among his older brothers. Joseph's father made him a, a long robe with sleeves, which means that his dad thought that he was more special than all his other brothers and that he didn't have to work hard like the rest of them. In his boyhood dreams, Joseph saw a vision of his brother, but brothers, but also his father bowing down to him. And to make matters worse, Joseph was young enough and naive enough that he loved, boy, he just loved to tell his older brothers all about it, how they would bow down to him one day. And one day when Joseph goes out to check on his brothers at his father's request, the, the brothers, they decide to get rid of the dreamer. And he's sold into slavery to some passing Ishmaelites who are on their way to Egypt. And boy, was that bad. In Egypt, Joseph is sold to Potiphar, the captain of Pharaoh's guard. But God blessed Joseph in Potiphar's house. And Joseph found favor in Potiphar's sight because of God's blessings. And he was put in charge of all of Potiphar's house. And that certainly was good. But then Potiphar's wife saw just how handsome Joseph was. And she said, lie with me over and over and over again. And that was bad. But Joseph, but Joseph refused her advances over and over again. And that was good. But Potiphar's wife wrongly accused Joseph of misconduct and he was thrown into prison. And boy, was that bad. But God continued to pour God's lavish and steadfast love upon Joseph. God continued to bless Joseph in prison, and Joseph found favor with the chief jailer 
And that was good. While in prison, Joseph successfully interpreted the dreams of the chief baker of Pharaoh and of the chief cupholder, the Pharaoh's chief butler. And he requests that the cupholder would remember Joseph when his dreams come true and he is restored to life and his service to Pharaoh. And that was good. But then the chief cupholder forgets all about Joseph. And boy, that was bad. For more than two years, Joseph remained in prison until Pharaoh had a dream, a dream that no one in all the land could interpret. And then the cupholder, of course, remembers Joseph. And Joseph is pulled out of the pit once again and, and brought before Pharaoh, and he interprets Pharaoh's dream, and he tells of a, of a coming famine, of seven-year famine, but they had time to get ready. And by miraculous means, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the movement of the Holy Spirit, Joseph is elevated to take care of all the, the things in Egypt. He's like a prime minister for all the, the economic and the social events. And he, he works a, a, a plan that comes and a, pro provides for the Egyptian people. But famine didn't just hit Egypt. It strikes hard in Joseph's homeland of Canaan, where his still-in-the-dark father and his scheming brothers reside. They hear that there is grain stored up in Egypt, so they decide to go on a shopping trip, not knowing from whom they're actually going to be buying grain. And in our lesson today, we see Joseph stand over his begging brothers. And yet they don't recognize him. We wouldn't blame him, would we, if he wanted to get a little bit of payback? He has every right. He has every right to see himself as a victim. And Joseph has the position and the power and the prestige to get even with his scheming brothers. But Joseph isn't resentful. He doesn't seek revenge. Joseph speaks with words that remind us of just how powerful hope and love can be. Joseph could no longer control himself, we read today, and he sent everyone out of the room except his brothers. And through his loud wailing and tears, he reveals the truth of them that I am your brother. And he asks, is my father still alive? His brothers can't even get a word out, can they? They can't answer him. They're, they're so terrified and speechless, almost not believing what they're hearing and seeing. Joseph is alive and they're in trouble, aren't they? But then Joseph says, I am your brother Joseph whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here for God sent me before you to preserve life. 
So it was not you who sent me, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Isn't there great praise in these words of Joseph for God? But Joseph's words do not mean that God actually willed the treacherous deeds of his brothers. And Joseph refuses to to give in to victimhood. He does not view his physical or his emotional scars as reason for despair or revenge. And incredibly, Joseph instead sees his scars as a sign of God's providential grace. God sent me, Joseph says. Naturally worried, the brothers hear Joseph weeping and wailing as Joseph releases them from all of their worry and concern. Do you wonder with me how he did that? How is it that Joseph is not resentful? How is it that Joseph does not look to get even? How is it that Joseph does not remind them of their offense? How is it that he doesn't seek revenge but yet he simply remembers. He remembers his story differently. Contrary to how it's often used, remember doesn't simply remember to stroll back down memory lane. Rather, to remember literally means to put something back together again. And Joseph remembers now his story differently, doesn't he? As he shares his story, he says, I know you sold me into slavery. I know you thought you were harming me, but God used it to bring life to you. But God sent me to Pharaoh's house, but God took me from the pit to prison to palace. But God did it. God sent me. God was in control. And so as Joseph remembers, he does not just remembers what his brothers did, but he also remembers what God has done and God is doing. Joseph, you see, understands that there's a difference between a moment and a movement. Being thrown into the pit is a moment. Being sold into slavery is a moment. Being forsaken and forgotten is a moment. But even though you are intended to do harm to me, he says, God intended it for good in order to preserve a numerous people as he is doing today. That is a movement. A movement. Instead of exacting revenge against his brothers, Joseph uses his power and his influence to provide his family a secure future during the coming years of famine. Joseph joins in to God's movement. And we're called to do the same as well. And to receive a new vision and to remember, and to remember our lives 
around God's vision for us and for his, his people. Joseph looks back at the events of his life with a new vision where the scars of pain and injustice and rejection and separation were only part of the story. And in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, Joseph sums up all that he has learned. He says, even though you intended to do harm to me, God intended it for good in order to preserve a numerous people as he is doing today. Yes, God is still doing it today in your life and in mine, and we need a Genesis 50-20 vision. Despite all the evidence to the contrary, God is still at work. God is still making good things happen despite appearances, despite the evil that we do the evil in this world. We suffer the scars, but the wounds of this light of this life are not ultimately fatal to all those who put their trust in the Lord. Now, does that mean that every day, every tragedy that we experience has a silver lining? That all evil is good and that all our suffering is somehow being orchestrated by God? No, not at all. Not at all. But, they, but we and they that we know and love need not hurt any longer. They can be signs of healing for us and for the world. This, this Genesis 50-20 vision you see, God sends you and God sends me not necessarily a great distance. We don't have to go to Egypt. But God sends us beyond ourselves and, and beyond our own understanding to walk by faith and not by sight. God sends us out into the world to, to share the good news of God's love and grace, which is for the whole world, for all the people. And as we yield ourselves to the will of God in the same power that turned Joseph's life from tragedy to triumph can do the same for you and for me. We can trust in the love and the goodness of God. Just ask Joseph. Just ask our resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ. God sent them. And God sends us. Amen.